tops of faces. Hold on, I'm adjusting this. Um, yeah, it's, it's so good to be back and, and to, to be gathering with God's people. Like I, um, I, I mean, some of you know it, it was a very, it was an unexpected longer break than what we anticipated. And um, just, just a really strange end of the summer for us um, with COVID and all that. And I won't uh, dwell on that a lot. Um, all that to say, I think that I'm told now, at least for the last next while, that I have like super immunity. And so uh, if you want to give me a hug, you can certainly do that, I think, with any, without any worry. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a hug, Steve. Um, yeah, I mean, we were, you know, we were supposed to be back for one Sunday. We knew that we had Jess's sister's wedding last week in Saskatchewan. We knew that already, but we were supposed to be back earlier, and then um, we got stuck in isolation, and so it's, it's just been a, a strange way to come back, but it's so, so good to be back. So um, before I, I dig in, I want to I just make an announcement uh, that I was supposed to tell Dwayne, and then I forgot to put it on. Anyways, um, there's a, we're, we're hoping or, or planning and offering a foot care clinic um, for the town of Landmark and the surrounding area here in LCF. So if you're like, what in the world are you talking about? Uh, a foot care clinic is for, uh, you know, people as they get older and the elderly, they have um, sometimes trouble uh, um, basically caring for their feet, for their toenails and that sort of thing, not to get too in-depth. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a foot care clinic that's run by a, a registered nurse that helps people in that regard. And it's just, it's a way that we want to serve the community and uh, Lori here from the RM is with us today, and, and we've connected a little bit. And so we, we feel like this is something, a small thing that we can do uh, to engage with the, the wider community. And so if you know of anyone uh, that might be interested, you can talk to me, you can talk to Lori. Uh, we'll have a poster out. Uh, it's going to be Tuesday, September 21st. That's the date we're targeting here in the building. Uh, it's initially, it's $50. Uh, I think it's $40 after your first visit, but the, the initial visit's $50. Um, to have this done. So if you know of anyone that you think would benefit from that, spread the news. If you're watching online and you want to do this, um, you can get in touch with us at the church. So is that, is that pretty clear, Lori? I think I've covered everything with that. Yeah, it's good. So uh, I was introduced this summer as part of our, our trip out west to see Jess's family. Um, I was introduced to the 75 hard exercise challenge. Any of you heard of that? Anyone heard of the 75 hard exercise challenge? No? Anyone done it? No, obviously not. Uh, my, my, our, my brother and sister-in-law, they were in the midst of it when we saw them this summer. They were doing, both doing it with some friends. And, and the premise of it is to instill a habit of, uh, of living in your life. And, and so in this case, it's focused on exercise and healthy living. And, and having so, like, like as I looked at it, I'm like, I'm seriously tempted to try this. Uh, and if any of you would be like, I want to do that, I would, might possibly be tempted to do it if you want to do it alongside me. And it's like, it's hardcore. So this, this, is, this is what it is. For 75 days, I mean, that's, that's a long time. Absolutely no alcohol. No, there's no compromise to it. And there's no cheating. Uh, I mean, again, that's, that's up to the person, but that's the premise of it. You're, you have to drink one gallon of water a day, which I was talking to my brother-in-law. He's like, you don't have no idea how hard that is to keep reminding yourself to drink that much water every day. So it's a gallon of water a day. You have to have two 45-minute exercises per day. 
one has to be outside. Uh, you have to read a minimum of 10 pages of a book per day. So this is all about kind of healthy living. And then you have to follow a diet, any diet. So I think for my brother-in-law, it was like he cut out carbs. Like, yikes. No carbs for 75 days. Like, seriously, how do you live? Uh, and then if you miss one day as part of it, you have to start all the way at the beginning. That's the rules of it. So, like, it, like, it really, and this is why you need to do it with people, because you have to, like, keep each other, like, nose to the grindstone. Brother, are you doing this? Um, now you go, what, what's with the 75 days? I think part of it is that research has shown that on average, it takes about 66 days to develop a habit, right, of any sort. If you want to have something uh, take root in your life, 66 days is kind of the number they say that you've got to, a minimum, you've got to commit to that. With, with no, like, you don't miss. So, you know, you want to, like, you know, get into scripture. You want to, like, start to, you know, really say, I want to develop a devotional life. 66 days. That's, that's the number that you've probably got to start with the aim. Anyways, I, I was thinking about all this. It got me thinking about the power of habit in our lives. And, you know, because we experienced uh, being out of church for the longest time that we've ever been out of church, probably ever in our married life, actually, Jess and I. Like, like I've, outside of probably plant, tree planting in BC, I've never been out of church this long for an extended period of time. Like we went once in the summer to uh, a church in Kelowna we visited um, when we were there for the Sunday. But we were, you know, a bunch of reasons. We, we, we wanted rest. We didn't want to feel that pressure. Um, and, and then we were traveling on certain Sundays as well. And then again, we got back and we had our, our COVID isolation. But, but all of this, it kind of helped me. I, I gained perspective, I felt. I, like I felt like the Lord gave me some perspective on how certain choices in our lives get us into ruts that become habits. And, and, I, and I thought about this in relation to what we're in with COVID, what we're in with, you know, the, the back and forth with church, and we've been closed, we've been opened, you know, and, and people are all over the map on how they feel about this and how they feel about coming and, and all that. And so, you know, I think we all recognize the church is facing significant questions in these days. Like, what is our purpose? Why, why bother gathering? Why can't online church serve as a substitute? Like, really, why can't it? Um, why do I need to be part of a larger body of people? What, what if I just, like, hang out with a couple friends who, you know, were kind of like-minded and, like, we'll just call that church? Why not just do that? The various aspects that, you know, kind of make up our gathering, what we do here, if you will, for lack of a better term. Like, like why, why do we do what we do? And, and all that's being brought into question, I think. I, I think that the last year and a half has really, there's a lot of stuff that's swirling. And so this was the question that, that I felt like the Lord kind of put to me. Why do we gather? And, and to really think about that and to, and, to, and to think about, like, something to process and ponder in our lives. Like, like instead of just, you know, rote sort of, this is what I do. No, like, like, why do we do this? And so I started thinking about, like, preaching. Like, why, why put a value on spending time sitting under the teaching of God's word? Why, why even bother doing that? Why 
bother that if I can just like go on the internet now, I can pick what best suits me. I mean, there's just a smorgasbord of teaching out there. I can just, oh, I like that guy, I like this, oh, I like what he says. And I can just, I can go online, I can watch it when it suits me now. Why would I bother th- doing this? And, and so then you get into like, is teaching and preaching simply about information gathering? Is it just about the accumulation of knowledge? That, that interests me and aligns with my thinking and, and the echo chambers that I put myself in? Like, is that just what it's about? Or is it something more? And then think about worship. Like, why, why do I need to gather with others to sing? Like, why? What, what does that even matter? Do you, do you ever think about that? Why is it important that I would come here, I would stand, I would engage with God's people, and I would stand and I would sing? What? Why? Like, I don't even know if I like to sing, you might say. I don't even know if I like to hear others sing, and I definitely don't know if I like others to hear me sing. So you're like, I don't know, like, why? And, and, and so, you know, hey, if I want to, like, focus on God through music, hey, YouTube's great. The video quality is, like, way better than what I'll see up here from LCF. I can just pull up videos, and I can, like, spend time, and I can get into this time with me and God, and, hey, that's my worship. Why, why, why bother here? Then I was thinking about fellowship and presence. Like being present with a specific body of believers. But why? Like some annoy me, you might say. Like I don't, I don't, I don't really connect with everyone here. You know, there's people here that I come that I, I wouldn't really choose to hang out with. Um, it's not focused on me enough. You know, I, I, you know I, I can just choose who I can connect with. And who I like or who share my viewpoints or who, you know, we're, we're kind of like buddies. And, and, and I, let's just do that. Like, that's, that's my fellowship. It's, it's, it's comfortable. It makes me feel good. And then you think about, like, what about Sundays? Sundays are my day off. Like, it's a family day. It's, it's the day to chill and relax, to sleep in, to eat a nice brunch you know, and then, you know, if we choose to, we can just stick on online church as we, as we just, you know, scarf down our, our delicious brunch at home and, and we get our little fill on the, on the internet. And, we, and then, then we get out into nature and we're, we're connecting with God through nature. Church takes away from this. It cuts into my time. Why bother? You see where all this starts to go? This is, this, is, this is good, critical thinking to think through this. And, and so, now I'm, all this, I am not saying this to the exclusion or the disregard to being missional. That's, that's another message. That's, that's, you know, we can go, that's a whole other thing to get into. But, you know, we, we do, we, we want to be asking God to stir our desire to reach the world, the communities around us. Absolutely, 100%. But what does Scripture say about being rooted and planted in a local fellowship as it applies to spiritual health and growth? That's, that's the thing that I've been thinking about. You know, and, and, and research from Barna and others of the big, you know, sort of Christian think tanks, they've been, they've been highlighting the erosion of people's commitment to church fellowship for years. I mean, this is, this is nothing new. Uh, but, but covid seems to have accelerated this shift tremendously. Like there's just a shift happening in our culture. It's almost like now it's, it's, it's more endorsed. There's, it was easier to kind of slip into this, right? Power of habit. 
sort of stuff. And I, and I think the reason I want to talk about this, I think it's wise and prudent for us as the body of Christ here to go. What, what does Scripture say about all this when we're assessing this in our lives? And, and I'm not... You know, in this, I'm trying to put as many disclaimers in here, folks, as I can. I'm not trying to convince or coerce any of you. That's not what this is. I really simply want to examine Scripture, and I want to speak faithfully and with conviction about what it says. That's that's my responsibility, and and I want to do that. But, But my desire is that this message is seen as an appeal for those who say, yes, I consider myself a part of LCF to ponder and to process these questions in light of Scripture. Um, okay, another disclaimer. This is not about legalism. Yes, it can slide into that with people. We can all be inclined to put on ourselves certain weights and expectations in many different ways when it comes to faith. So, this is, it's not that but but it is so it's not that but I am what I want to do is I do want to push against any belief system that would say following Jesus is an individual pursuit between me and him and I don't really need commitment to a local body Um, that's just kind of optional now I absolutely want to push back against that Again, based on what Scripture says over and over again. And I realize that might open me up to criticism. That might open me up to accusations. I'm okay with that. Like, I'm totally okay with that. I I want, my, my desire is that we would think deeply and soberly as a church about what Scripture says about these questions in these days. Because we are living in very important days. Very important days for the church. So, that the, you know, the, the, what I really would, would in, encourage us to think deeply and soberly about is, does it really matter if I'm committed to a church and to consistent presence with a particular group of believers? Or, you know, do I go to church out of duty, obligation, guilt, legalism, there's that word again, to be a good Christian, do I just go for the social interaction? You know, there, there's all sorts of things that, that to look and go, why do I feel inclined to this? Why do I do this? And, and to assess our motivation in all this is so important amidst a culture moving further and further and further away from valuing the local church and a local body of believers. I mean, culture is just accelerating exactly the opposite way. And then, okay, so we're we're talking about this. Then you add in, now all the opinions, all the differences of opinion when you talk about the virus, when you talk about vaccines, and all sorts of opinions in that, like, my word, it just like, where does that go, right? Individuals leaving churches because the leaders don't align to their personal opinions. They're not doing what I think they should do. The church isn't doing this. Oh, but they're doing that. I'm out of here. I mean, this is just, it's everywhere now. And so you go, we need to assess this soberly and in light of Scripture. Okay, further disclaimer before I get into this. I am not advocating or suggesting 
that Sunday services, this right here, is like the essence of our faith. Do, do, you, do you track, what I, are you tracking with me what I'm saying with that? Like, this is important. I, I'm going to, I think I, that's my, my conviction. But it's, this is not the essence, like just this. Like, if, as long as I show up, check my card every Sunday or, you know, nearly every Sunday, I'm good. That's not what I'm advocating for. The idea that gathering becomes paramount to everything else, you know, where, so then this is where the focus on gathering in violation of, of government health orders, claiming persecution in that, pastors getting arrested. In my opinion, that is very misguided right now. Very misguided. And it's, it's getting away from what the Lord, where he wants us. So this is not being so focus about our church services to the exclusion of living out our faith and reaching the culture in our midst. That's, we so badly need to grasp that just as much that we are called to be ministers of reconciliation. We're called to be disciples who are going, wanting to make disciples right now. But people need connection. We need relationship that's present and personal. We need life-on-life discipleship. It's crucial, crucial for the days ahead. And, And so much of what was modeled by Jesus and is highlighted in the New Testament letters again and again are aspects of life together as bodies of believers. It's us together. And scripture points to it being an absolute necessity for our spiritual health and growth. So, I I mean, think about that. The last year and a half, if if this aspect of gathering is essential to our spiritual health and growth, how has that been affected in the last year and a half? Both positively, there might be positive aspects to this in our faith, but what are some negative aspects as well as to what's been going on? So, I said this this week. We said this in the email. And uh, I, I want to I give some time. I don't know how this is going to go. We'll see. But I want to I open it up to some dialogue too with us. Why, why do you think we gather? I'm going to put it out there. So just, just you know, let's, let's take turns. But why, why do we gather? Like, why do you think it's important for you to come and gather as the body of Christ? Okay, so, so there's, there's a horizontal aspect, Steve. What you're saying is that we are, we're engaging with one, not just with the Lord here, we're engaging with one another on a plane. Why? Right, okay. So yeah, it's that one anothering that the New Testament talks about. Okay. Anyone else? What? To encourage each other. And okay, I'm just you some of you might steal aspects of where I'm gonna go. That's okay. That's okay, Chris. To encourage okay, so to encourage one another. Why why? What like what 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 does that mean to you?
Ja. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how much of this is going to be picked up on for those who are online, but what Pam was talking about, just like, the, like how there's something about gathering together as, as people, that, that there's something that's, that's really, um, you know, exciting about that and is, is really beneficial to our, to our health as people, which is, yeah. Anyone else? Why? why? Yeah. Oh, which you might steal it from me. That's okay. <laughs> nope. <laughs> for as, as uh, yeah, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace mm. given to us. Let us use them. And then it goes on. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Duane. That's good. Uh, if you want, okay, if anyone else, and if you don't want to have the mic on you, you don't have to. So if anyone's, you don't have to have the mic on you. Yeah, Duane? So one of the things that I was going to talk about is getting, gathering together with other people forces authenticity in our lives. Right, because you can't live two separate lives if you do business with the same people you go to church with. Some guy spoke on that this summer. Uh, I know, I, I don't know who it was. <laughs> so so there, there's a strong connection between living life together with people in church and out of church, which ensures that people are living with, with authenticity. And creates potentially conflict as, as, our, as our humanness rubs off on one another. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the thing too about all this, right? Like, this is not just like, oh, this is so great, why do we gather? There's aspects of this that go, it, it brings about, it, it, it brings out stuff out of us, actually, that God's like, I want you to deal with that, and I'm actually helping other people around you to see that. I mean, I've had, you know how much I've had of that in my life? God using other people to go, man, Paul, you really need to address this in your life. I mean, that's, that's actually, that's, you go, that, that sounds hard and difficult. Yeah, that's, that's part of what God, how he has designed the body actually to function together. And anyone else want to add on this? Why do we gather? Daryl? I always think of this analogy that I've heard years and years ago about the coals, you know, the, the image of uh, barbecue coals, whatever. When you pull one away from it, it gets, it, it doesn't glow as mm. much anymore, right? So we need to get together 
to keep our heat up, <laughs> whatever. But you know why? You're going to ask why you know, does that make such a difference? You know, it, and it's probably mentioned different ways already today. But you get to observe other people. You get to just be in the same room. Pam said too, you know, being in the same area as a bunch of people, th the opposite would be solitary confinement. Like, how well do we do in solitary confinement? I can, tell you, I can tell you. <laughs> I can so tell you what, what virtually 10 days almost alone feels like. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> so, you know, just being in the same room as people with the same mind, yep. you know, that, that helps us. That, is, that encourages us. And so... Uh, you know, it's a good habit. I've, we, I've sometimes yeah. thought, too, you know, I drive away out of Mitchell and it's, okay, who else is all going? It's just us. You know, that's all we do is we go to church Sunday morning and it's just, uh, it's a habit. But it's a good habit and it's good to think about it, like you say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it there. I mean, I'm sure there's more we could say. I'm just looking at the time and I don't want to, we, we could have, we could have like probably a two-hour conversation about this, right? This, this was good. Thank you guys for your feedback. And, um, because of that, actually, uh, I realized yesterday as I was kind of just preparing, we're going to have a part two of this message next week. I'm not going to get through everything today because uh, I realize my, I want to leave time to have some dialogue and I don't want to rush through things. So um, I, I'm actually like, I was like this morning, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm like already, like I'm pumped for next week. <laughs> There's stuff that I was like, I want to get to that today. Uh, but anyways, so why do we gather that's, that's the question. And so the first thing that I want to I highlight out of this is we gather to build others up. When we speak of gathering together, we talk about this, Hebrews 10, that verse probably in a lot of our minds goes ding, 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 right? If you're like, you know that verse, you're like, it's, it's the one that's probably most often recited when we talk about this. And most of us, you could probably quote some variation of it, right? Of like, let us not fail or give up meeting together, don't, don't, don't neglect that. Those are, we'd, we'd say something to that effect. Um, the NIV says not giving up, or the, the, the ESV is neglecting. Don't give up or neglect to meet together. And so um, it's, it seems clear to me, when you look at the textual analysis of Hebrews 10, it's pretty clear. The writer of Hebrews is saying to people, don't neglect being together as the church. It's not about... Christians gathering wherever and whenever. He's talking to a specific group of people saying, don't, don't give up meeting together. It's speaking of gathering to worship in the presence of Jesus. Not, you know, as we, just for the next couple of minutes here, if you want to turn to Hebrews 10 in your Bibles, you can. Because I, I just want to, for the next couple minutes, camp on Hebrews 10. Because I think the, the placement of the writer saying that is very interesting uh, because the verses that in Hebrews 10 where it talks about not giving it meeting together and, and why, uh, they, they come right after speaking about all that Jesus has accomplished and how he's the fulfillment of all things, how he's the final sacrifice. And there's this, this build up in Hebrews in the chapters. And then it says there, therefore, in Hebrews 10, 19, therefore, which means in light of all of this, in light of what Jesus has done, in light of that we can now enter into the very presence of God, it says, let's draw near. Like, we, we are no longer held back 
not being able to enter into the most holy of holies, like, like where the priest only could enter in there before Jesus. No, 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 no. He's like, no, that's all been done. Jesus is the final sacrifice. He gives you entrance. He says, let us draw near to God. Like, come on, let's get into this. No, let's know that we are forgiven. Let's hold to the hope that we profess. And then he says, not giving up meeting together. So I find it so interesting in the midst of speaking about our eternal redemption and all that we've received in Jesus, there is the reminder not to disregard meeting together. Have we considered, I wonder, how critical our gathering together as the body is in light of that? This is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says in his classic book, Life Together, speaking on community. He says, we were created as a body. Christ appeared on earth in a body. He was raised in the body. In communion, the believer receives the Lord Jesus in the body. The resurrection of the dead will bring about the perfection of our physical bodies. The believer, therefore, praises God for the presence of body of believers. Our physical presence together is woven into the very fabric of creation. Presence together is an unspeakable gift of grace. We need each other precisely because of Jesus. We need each other again and again when we become uncertain or discouraged. Notice why Hebrews 10 puts the emphasis on gathering together. Like why? Why does the writer say that? To spur one another on to love. We're going to get to that more, uh, I guess that'll be next week now, actually. Yeah, that'll be next week. We're going to talk about that, spurring one another on to love. And good deeds, it says there in Hebrews 10, and to encourage one another. So that's what Chris talked about, right? We absolutely need one another. We need this. We, We need to see one another. We need to be together to encourage one another. Hey, What's going on in that situation? Hey, heard about this. I mean, there's, there's just, there's so many examples where we can come into here and we're like, we may not even realize the depth to which I need the encouragement of other people. I need just the encouragement, like two months away, I, the encouragement of just seeing people is phenomenal. There's some other places where the New Testament speaks to this as well in the church. Ephesians 4, and we're gonna, we're gonna come back to that yet. But the end of the chapter there in Ephesians 4, it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind to one another. Tender-heartedness. Galatians 6 says to come alongside one another and to help each other to follow the way of Jesus. It says to carry each other's burdens. You know, that is, that's just saying, I, I want to help you follow the way of Jesus. I want to help you in this life. We carry each other's issues and burdens. And it says, Paul says, there, so we so fulfill the law of Christ. He's not saying that there is a law under Christ. What he's doing is he's making the point that if there would be any law under Christ, it would be, we need to be together and to help one another. Right? So he's, he's, he's kind of make, having a play on words there. But it's the essence. The essence of following Jesus is let's care for one another. John Stott he notes in this, he says, notice the assumption that in this verse, which lies behind this command. Namely, that we all have burdens. You all have got stuff. I've got stuff. We've all got stuff we're carrying. 
and that God does not mean us to carry them alone. That's so good. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says that we are to strive to excel in building up the church. Striving to excel in that. It certainly applies to the wider church. Yes, we want to build up the church in general. But it, it mainly there, it's applying to the local body of believers that we're called to. There's, there's a common thread throughout Hebrews 10 and these other chapters I think that, that, that I think is, is kind of clear as you look at it. We gather to build others up. We gather to encourage. We gather to support. We gather to exhort. We gather to come alongside one another. We gather to one another, one another. Now, yeah, sure, this can happen through texts. It can happen through, you know, WhatsApp messages. It can happen through FaceTime. Uh, it can happen through videos. It can ha yeah, absolutely, it can happen through all of that. But that is a supplement to physical connection. If that's where it stays, you'll, you'll only go to a certain point with a person, right? If, if, it, if all it is is just messages or through a screen, I mean, I can watch any number of guys that I love their teaching on, on the internet. And, uh, you know, as much as I might want to be best buds with them, that's just not happening, right? Like, it, there's a certain level where you're, you're not ever going to be in relationship with them. It's not possible. We need the physical connection of being together. And then we supplement it with other stuff. Yeah, great. We gather to build others up. So that's first. But also, we gather to be built up. So there's, there's kind of two sides to this coin, if you will. I want to take you to Ephesians 4. Why don't you turn there? Uh, we, know, we know this, these verses probably really well. And we kind, of, we kind of, Pam sort of touched on parts of Ephesians 4. Uh, or was it Hannah? Anyways, you guys, <laughs> Hannah touched on that about this. But let's, let's read verses 11 to 13. Ephesians 4. It was he, okay, so it was he, uh, meaning uh, Jesus. He's talking there about Jesus. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service or for ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's an aspect in this, and I know we've talked about this before, but we're all ministers, do you realize that? This is not about the, the ministerial elite in the body at all. That doesn't exist. It does not exist. We are all called in our spheres to be ministers of the gospel. And we like to call this the fivefold ministry. The apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. We call it that because it's given, it's, it's a ministry that's given to the church by Jesus so that we are built up to be made more like Jesus. That's what we want to be. So this is part of what we do when we gather. Now, again, it doesn't just happen on Sundays, but it is intrinsic, meaning it's natural, it's essential, it's a part of what we do on Sundays. And so the goal or the desire or the intent, the focus here is that we would grow 
and be built up in the unity of our faith, in our knowledge of Jesus, and to be growing in our maturity to the fullness of Jesus. That's, that's really, you know, that's the, uh, that's the, the packaging this really neatly for us. That's what we want to be. That's what we want to be doing. A couple of verses down in verse 16, it speaks of us, and this is sort of what Hannah was getting at there, of us being joined and growing together. And it, it paints this picture, this metaphor of a physical body being built up together in love. Physical presence is so imperative for that to happen. Is it not? Like how do you, how do you walk out really all of Ephesians 4 if you're not present in a body? If, if we're going to embrace this as, as God's word and as scripture for us, then we have to value being together. So this is where COVID has thrown us for a loop in this regard and threatens to continue to. Like we just don't know what the next number of months are going to bring. We, and, and we just, like I think there's an aspect where we just feel like discombobulated in all this. And we're like, when is this going to get back to normal? And then realizing right now there's, we don't know and we, what, what does normal look like right now? Like we just don't know. And then, you know, you have congregations being split over mask mandates. We're not dying on that hill. That's one hill we're not dying on. You know, you have, you have twisting of scripture to justify disregard for authority because, you know, we're happy to obey scripture so long as it conforms to our will and what we like. And as soon as scripture, you know, we don't like what it says there, well, we're not going to, we'll, we'll create some justification for why we're not obeying that. Then you get into this threat of vaccine passports being imposed on churches as a real possibility. Like it's been talked about within our provincial government. It's been floated. Um, found out, I actually heard yesterday that there was a question asked about that in the news conference last week and they said that they, they looked into it but um, at this point they said they don't believe that it's constitutional. Well, no duh, it's not. Um, you know, and, and, and so like, we've been talking about this as leaders going, this, this presents a serious problem for churches and pastors, this, the threat of that. It, like, if they're mandated, how do we stand against something that segregates people and is in opposition to the gospel being for everyone? What do we do with that? And, and so, and then, okay, and practically, folks, here's the thing, just to kind of counter what we're hearing in the media. If, you have, if you're double vaccinated, you can still spread COVID. You can still get COVID, okay? So this idea that, like, just target the unvaccinated and, and, and all the vaccinated are going to be safe together, it's a lie. It's a bold-faced lie. It's not true. So, <laughs> I really don't, I do not like to get political, I really don't. But folks, wherever we land on these issues, this is the thing, we land in different places on these issues. We need to carefully consider if our beliefs and opinions are in line with scripture or are being influenced by forces of fear and control and other things out there and are not of the Lord. And, and, I, and I, okay, I say that with trepidation because I understand the consequences are, could be severe, like really severe for churches. If we say, this is our line in the sand, we're not going there. And I don't disobey authority flippantly. I, I don't. I don't like to do that. 
Having said that, we can understand, look, we've got differences of opinions around us, and my appeal would be in this because it's not going away. We must make every effort to keep, maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, Ephesians 4. It doesn't matter. We stick together as the body and we say we are not going to give in to what, how the devil wants to bring divisiveness into the church. And we just say, yeah, we might feel differently about stuff. That's okay. You know, I'm going to give up my rights because I want unity in the body more than anything. And, and I guarantee you, that will call us to sacrifice and humility and help us in the process to be more like Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's what sacrifice and humility does. It actually makes us more and more like Jesus. So, we gather to be built up together. It happens through different means, right? As we engage together. So, think about teaching. We talked about preaching and teaching. Like, what, what is, what's God doing? God's weaving his plans and purposes to, uh, for us through this gift. I, I, I heard the, um, a few weeks ago when I, we weren't here how after Dwayne's message, Dwayne and Steve and Jen were talking and they were talking about how they, they, there were just connecting points that they were seeing how God was weaving in what he was speaking to each one of them individually into this, this sort of cohesiveness for the church. And I heard that and I was like, yeah, like that's so good. Right, because that, the Holy Spirit's always doing that. He's always wanting to weave his purposes through us. He's speaking to us. And as we speak, he's, he's doing stuff in the church, helping us grow in the knowledge of Jesus. He's helping us to grow in that in our minds and in our hearts, giving us different perspectives, reminding us what Scripture says, reminding this is how we're to apply it to our lives. I mean, the gift of teaching and preaching in the church is just... It's an incredible gift that God has given to his people for us to grow to be more like Jesus. And so, you know, think about worship. Like, why, again, why, why do we gather to sing? What's, what's up with that? I mean, that, and that's, again, that's another, that's a whole other message. I'm just kind of doing a flyby on this. You know, we have to, the, the, we, and we've heard messages on that, but we are singing in one aspect, worship is you are singing to one another and over one another. Do you realize that? You know what Ephesians 5 says? Do you remember? Do not get drunk on wine, but what? Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another and sing in psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms. It says, it says, it says to be like we're singing over one another in the Spirit. So, you know, this is where sometimes we need to pull back and go, this is what we've been taught, or this is kind of what we've gotten used to, and go, worship, coming together, corporate worship, singing, is not an ind just an individual act. It's not. You're actually gathering with God's people, and he's doing something in our midst together. So there, there are these different aspects that make up our gatherings, they serve in this ongoing process that we're in of transformation. Putting on the new self. Minds being renewed. Discipleship to Jesus. Changing us. Making us more like him. Okay, so just, I just want to end on this. And, and that is, just to think, and I know I've talked about this before, but think about formation. Meaning, what you do forms you. Just think about this. 
what we do all the time is forming us one way or the other. This is why habits, structure, routine, those are not bad words. Those are actually really good words because they actually help bring formation in our lives. I mean, how many of us are excited to get kids back into structure this week? Go, yep. There's a lot of us who are like, I'm, I'm excited for that because it actually helps with formation in our lives. Kids, it helps you formation. It helps you actually to be growing in your lives. You're like, well, I don't like school. It's really good for you. I know you guys don't talk like that. Sorry. <laughs> um, this, this is what, this is what, um, well, yeah, and, and just on formation. These are good things. What we do here, like, so what we're doing here, it's forming us to the way of Jesus and being together with his people. So what we do here, it actually forms us. This is why, like, why do we want to bring our kids into the body all the time? Because it's forming them. Like, what I, one of the things I remember about my childhood is that I went to church, came up from a really messed up, dysfunctional family. Yep. But what I, one thing I remember is that church was part of our formation, and it was good. John Mark Comer, in his, uh, his book, Live No Lies, is not, it's yet to be released. Uh, I'm reading it. It is so good. He says this, Spiritual formation isn't just a follower of Jesus thing. It's a human thing. We're all being formed every minute of every day. We're all becoming someone, intentional or unintentional, conscious or subconscious, deliberate or haphazard. We're all in a process of becoming a person. What type of purpose, person, sorry, not purpose, what type of person are you becoming? Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it there for today. And um, I, I'm excited to pick this up next week. Um, some good stuff for us to consider beyond this. I want to encourage you this week to be spending time in Scripture. Because like I said, you know, we really didn't do a deep dive, if you will, into Hebrews 10 or into Ephesians 4 or into some of these passages. We kind of just did uh, a quick sort of oversight of them. I'd encourage you, get into Scripture this week and start to consider what does it say to me about commitment to the body of Christ and being part of a local fellowship? And, and, and what does that call me to? What does it call me? Who does it call me to be? And, and what am I being formed into in that? And again, asking the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me about this? Not what culture is saying to me. Not what my fears may say to me. What does God's word reveal to me? So we're going we're to enter into uh, a time of communion. I know we're going longer. And, and if, you know, if people, if you have to, to slip out, I understand that. But we, we wanted to enter into a time of communion this morning to kind of um, end our time together. It's, you know, the, this is important. I um, thought that this was really important today. I mean, we, I, we haven't done communion here for a little bit. And so, I mean, just doing communion together is important uh, regardless. But especially this morning, as, as that quote from Bonhoeffer reminds us, through communion, we receive the Lord Jesus. Scripture tells us, yeah, you guys can, you know, you guys can go and start, uh, Chris and Daryl, why don't you guys start handing out and I'll, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I wanna just kind of posture us for this a little bit. So 
Try not to be distracted by what they're doing. Scripture tells us that as, as followers of Jesus, that as often as we participate in the act of communion, we are proclaiming Jesus' death till he comes. We're reminding ourselves what Jesus has done. We're reminding ourselves of his sacrifice. And communion as a body together is a powerful reminder to us of who we are and what we're living for. It reminds us, I am not my own. I'm living for Jesus. Jesus has sacrificed himself for me and I'm surrendering my life to him. I'm following his way. We, we, and what we do in communion is we proclaim in this the necessity of Jesus' death for us to save us from our sin. It's, I need this. I need the sacrifice of Jesus. I need his shed blood for me. I, this, is the, he, this was done for me and I need it. We proclaim also the sufficiency. So not just the necessity of his death, we proclaim the sufficiency of his death to redeem us. And what we're saying in this is there's nothing else that needs to be done. Nothing else. And there's nothing else that I will look to or have to do for my salvation. Nothing. All I am called to do is surrender to Jesus and to follow his way. It's not about me. We remind ourselves in this, as Ephesians tells us, that Jesus is the head over all things. He is the risen Lord Jesus. He's over all things. He's been put over all things. And we are, as his church, again, as his body, we are connected to him. He is the living head. He's not a figurehead. He's the living head of the church. And so what we're doing this is we're saying, Jesus, you are the one who sustains us. And as we look to you and we live through you and we live in him and through him, we grow. We're built up as his body. We and really what we're saying in all this is, Jesus, we are not looking to anything else in life. Nothing. There's nothing else we want to look to. What a privilege. Like what an enormous, enormous gift that we have. I want to encourage us in this too. As we do this together, we're, this is, you know, yes, this is an individual act that we're doing right now. In, we're ingesting it into our mouths. It's something we do. But we are doing this together. We gather and we do this together. We proclaim Jesus' death together. As we do this right now, you are reminding one another. You feel even free to look around to each other and say, you're, being, you're reminding one another, you're encouraging one another, you're exhorting one another right now. Feel free to look at someone and say, you're exhorting them to keep holding to Jesus. In the midst of everything going on, keep holding to Jesus. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't look anywhere else. Don't even think to look anywhere else. Jesus is sufficient. His Holy Spirit is at work. We don't need anything else. We are in this together as his body. So, do I? Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's, 
Let's partake. I'm just going to turn here to Luke. I'm going to read what Jesus said to his disciples. When the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread or a rice cracker and he gave thanks and he broke it even break it. Broke it, right? He broke the bread because that was he, was, he was showing them how his body would be broken. He said, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's take the, the rice cracker in remembrance of Jesus and what he's done for us. the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you so let's take this cup and let's drink as we remember what Jesus has done for us in pouring out his blood Victor if you want to come up and Jesus, we we are so thankful for you. We are beyond grateful, Jesus, for what you've done for us. How you've saved us, redeemed us, how you've delivered us. Jesus, we thank you that we, in you, we find salvation. There is no one else that we look to. There's nothing else that we look to. We look to you and to you alone. And Jesus, we, we ask that where we need ongoing healing in our lives, that you would continue to heal us, that you would continue to work in our lives. Thank you that you never leave us, you never are finished with us, that you never, ever disregard us. We thank you that you are faithful. And God, we thank you for your church. We thank you for the the privilege that we have to gather together. Lord, I pray that you would grow our unity in the bond of peace. That you, that you would grow our unity in the spirit. That we would make every effort in these days to keep that. Lord, that you would increase our love and our affection and our devotion for one another. Lord, I pray that we would be a church marked by that. Lord, help us, help us because we recognize that 
we need the work of your spirit so much for that to be possible. Holy Spirit, would you help us in these days? We thank you, Jesus.